Amen. What a beautiful truth to sing and believe this morning, that our sins, they are many, but His mercy, God's mercy, is so much more than all the sins. The sum of all of our sins put together, His mercy is more than that. Thank you, Lord. John chapter 3, this morning, if you would turn with me, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, John chapter 3, if you have a copy that you need to turn on to John chapter 3, if you would do that. If not, we do have it. Uh, we have the scripture for you this morning. This morning we're going to look at what, in my estimation, which really carries no weight, but in my estimation, I believe is probably the most popular verse in all of the scriptures. If you just go around and ask people, do you know one verse, or have you heard one Bible verse, I believe that John 3.16 would be the most recognizable verse in our day and time, but what I pray and I have prayed and I continue to pray even now is that today what you're able to do is to not hear John 3.16 again, but to listen to John 3.16 and to understand John 3.16 and to hear the Lord as he speaks this is truth that applies for your life this morning. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This morning, as, as we look at this very popular verse, I do want to start, as usual, by giving you the setting. I want to give you the, the context of what's going on here. So, so in John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a fascinating man. He's having a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, who to me is just a fascinating character. Uh, just a few things about Nicodemus. So Nicodemus is given to us as a Pharisee, which if you don't know what that means, that's he's one of the, the rulers of the Jewish religion of his day. Uh, he's really high up as far as the religious hierarchy goes of the Jewish people. But what you have to understand is that that would immediately mean that he was probably bent against Jesus. Because the Jewish people that were staunch Jewish people in the Old Testament beliefs, the Old Covenant beliefs, were not fans of the things that Jesus had come and was teaching. They were against the things. And so this man, a man that we would expect to immediately have a lot of reasons that made him not want to hear Jesus, that made him skeptical of Jesus, that would make him probably even feel like an enemy of Jesus, this man goes to Jesus at the beginning of John chapter 3 and, and refers to him as rabbi, which was the term that meant teacher, but it was, it was more than just the word teacher. This was a, uh, showing respect for Jesus. So he, the Pharisee, Nicodemus, goes to Jesus, seeks out Jesus himself, and refers to him as rabbi and, and inquires about the power and some of the miracles that Jesus had been doing fascinating character, a man that we'll see again as we look next week, uh, especially in our early service next week whenever we look as we come to the Lord's table at Jesus' death, we see Nicodemus again being there whenever Jesus dies. Very, very fascinating man. But so he comes, and, and this, John chapter 3, most of this, what we see here is kind of a conversation between Jesus and this man Nicodemus. So what that tells us this morning is Jesus here is speaking to a man that's interested in Jesus, 
but probably doesn't initially see Jesus as the Messiah. He doesn't see Jesus as the Savior of the world. He doesn't see Jesus as God's Son, as somebody that he needs to follow, but somebody that he's at least intrigued by. And I think that some of you here this morning may be in the same boat. You may have come here to Mount Zion week after week, year after year, but Jesus to you is a fascinating person, and he's an intriguing person, and he's an interesting person, but you haven't ever come to the place that you feel like he is the one. He's the person that you should dedicate everything that you do with your habits and with your life and with your family and with your finances, that you should put all those things, all those eggs in the basket of what Jesus says. You may not be there yet. And if not, then John chapter 3 is a really, really good chapter for you to look at. So what we see here is Nicodemus coming, wanting to know about the miracles. But Jesus using that is an opportunity to tell Nicodemus about something that's much more important than just the miracles that he'd been doing. And it's the idea of being born again, or the idea of having new life, which of course is a very interesting thing. But he tells him, and he goes on to explain, because Nicodemus doesn't understand. He says, be born again. How is it that I could be born again? Could I go again into my mother's womb? Nicodemus doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus tells him that this is, it's a heavenly thing. It's something that's hard to explain in earthly terms. But after explaining some about being born again, he then gets to what we have our text here for today, John three sixteen. And he explains this as part of the new life that we have, part of the process of being born again. And so there are really only two things that I want us to see from this conversation for today. There are a lot more things that are important from this conversation, but just two today. If we get these two, then that'll be good, and we'll go home, and we'll all be satisfied with what we've seen in God's Word, I trust, this morning. The first point I want us to see this morning is that new life comes through Jesus Christ. Point one, new life comes through Jesus Christ. Look back with me at the text. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so here, for just a minute, I want us to focus on that middle part of the verse where it says that he gave, that God gave his only Son. What does God giving his only Son mean? And what does it have to do with us needing to be born again or to be made brand new? And it's a really good question. So, so the fact that God gave his son could mean a couple of different things. One, it could be the picture that most of us know of giving somebody. You give somebody a present, right? You, maybe you give somebody a birthday present. My brother lives in Texas, and so when I give him a birthday present, I don't usually hand him the present. I send it to him from afar, and that can be part of what we see here. God gave us Jesus in the fact that he literally sent Jesus to us, right? That really happened. Jesus was in heaven. He was with God. He was one with God, and God sends him from heaven to earth. He gave him to us in that way that he literally sent him to us. But it means more than just that he sent Jesus to us or gave him to us as some sort of present. It also means that he gave him to us in order to care for a need that we have. God saw a need that we have and he gave us Jesus to take care of that need. Which is what comes after that. He says that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life 
And so here we are reminded that not everybody gets new life, that not everybody gets eternal life, but only those people that are made new by Jesus Christ. That's the point that we're trying to make here, that we're trying to understand. I want to read it to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You can write this down, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. And so here it says that if anyone is in who? I thought y'all were going to answer that. Let's try it again. I'd, uh, I'd caught y'all off guard. If anyone is in who? Is it who or whom? Did I say it correctly? Is it who? Is who? Y'all don't know either. We'll say who. If anybody is in Christ... Then, and we could add this for emphasis if we wanted to, if anyone is in Christ, then he, but only then, is he a new creation, right? Christ is not only a way that we can be made new. He is the only way that we can be made new. If you are in Christ, then you are a brand new creation, but only if you are in Christ. Only if you have faith in Jesus Christ. Only if you have given yourself over to Jesus Christ will you then be made new. And some of you might would ask the question, well, what in the world does faith in Jesus have to do with going to heaven? What in the world, why is it that if I have faith in Jesus that I'm made into a brand new person? And that's the beautiful picture of the gospel. Now, if I were going to spend a lot of time this morning trying to preach a text that goes clearly through the gospel message. If you want to write this down, if you're interested, if you'd like to read it later, Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, really lays this out beautifully. But I want to give you what I would call, what my dad would call at least, the 10 cent overview of what you find there in Romans chapter 3. Just very briefly, I want to show you how it is that faith in Jesus Christ makes you into a brand new person. Whenever I say that God gave us his son to meet our need, I want you to see this morning what your need is and why Christ meets that need. So the truth is that we have all sinned or that we have all done wrong. I think we can all agree on that. We have all done something wrong. We've all done something that we shouldn't have. Most of us, we've done lots and lots of things that we shouldn't have. We continue to do things that we shouldn't have. And the truth is that God is perfect. And heaven is perfect. And people that are not perfect don't get to go to heaven. And so immediately we can see the disconnect here. Immediately we can see what our problem is. We can see what our need is. I have sinned. I am not perfect. Therefore, I'm not going to get to go to heaven. And that's a problem for me because I really want to go to heaven. I'm not going to be with God forever and that's a problem because I want to be with God forever. I want to have eternal life whenever I leave this earth. I want to know that I'm going to heaven. So there's my problem. There's my need. I need to be perfect. And I'm not. I need my sins that I have already committed to be taken away. And that's where Jesus steps in. That's what Jesus was explaining here in John 3.16. You see, God gave his son... And the fuller picture of him giving his son means that he sent Jesus from heaven to earth. And Jesus came to earth and he was born as a baby, born of a virgin, and he lived a perfect life and he never did anything wrong. 
Those of you that have children, those of you that have ever been children, can see how amazing that is. He never lied to his parents a single time. Isn't that amazing? He never hated anyone. He never got angry when he shouldn't have been angry about something. He never did. Never did anything. Lived a perfect life, sinless life. Every minute of his life, of his life he did exactly what God would have him to do. And still, we sing about the cross and we celebrate the cross because at the end of his life, he died a terrible, excruciating, criminal death. The only person who ever lived without sinning died the death that all, all sinners should die. I had that bold. I was really wanting to make that point and then I messed it up right in the middle of it. The, the only one that ever lived without sinning died the death that every sinner should die. He paid our price. And that's where we start to see the fullness of what it means that God gave his son. He gave us one that lived the perfect life that we didn't and then died the death that we don't want to die. Took the punishment for our sins. When Christ was on the cross, God punished him for all of the sins that you've committed. Everything you've done wrong, there's a punishment for that sin. Every single one of them. And God took every bit of punishment that you deserve for every sin you ever have, that you are committing right now, that you ever will commit it. He took all of that punishment and gave it all to Jesus when he was on the cross. We can't imagine what that was like, but Jesus paid that price when he was on the cross so that now, if you come to him in faith, he can justly forgive you of your sins. He can meet your need of taking your sins that you've committed and taking the guilt for those sins and taking the punishment of those sins and wiping them away. Making them gone forever. So that now when God looks at you, he sees somebody that's perfect. And now all of a sudden the need is met. The need is met because if I'm perfect, where can I go? Heaven. If I'm perfect, who can I be with forever? God, right now, all of the needs that I have, everything that's important, everything that has to be done is met in Jesus Christ. But there's one other thing. I told you there are two things I wanted you to see today. That's the first one. You need to be made new. You need to be made sinless. And Jesus is the only person that can do that. He's the only one that ever lived perfect. He's the only one that ever died in your place. He's the only, only one that ever paid for your sins. Jesus can make you new, and only Jesus can make you new. The other thing I want you to see from this text today, I want us to answer this question. Why would God do that? If I'm a sinner, and I deserve to be punished, and you're a sinner, and you deserve to be punished, then why would God send his only son? Why would God send his son who lived a perfect life to die that terrible death? Why would God do that for people that don't deserve for God to do that for us? And Jesus tells us, back in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. And in that simple phrase, we find the beautiful answer to this question. Why would God do that? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. God didn't do it out of a sense of obligation. I want you to understand that. I've met Christians that I truly believe have been Christians their whole life that didn't quite get this part. God was under no obligation 
to send his son for us. He did not have to do that. There was no contract that God had signed that said, these people that I'm making, if they sin, that I will try and fix it. There was no reason that he had to do that. He chose to send Jesus of his own free will. Jesus came and Jesus gave his life freely. Nobody required it of him. They would not have taken his life if he didn't want them to take his life. He did that. Because he loved us. Hence, if you saw on Facebook the title of the message today, In Jesus' Death, God Shows Us His Love for Us. We see how much God loves us. That's the text. It says, For God so loved the world, some translations even say that God loved the world in this way. He shows his love for us. That's what we read. No, it's what I'm about to read. I'm sorry. Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you want to know about God's love for you, look at the cross that Jesus Christ went to. Look at the price that Jesus Christ paid for you. Look at the punishment that he took so that you wouldn't have to take it. So that he would be willing to do freely so that you and I might have the opportunity to be forgiven and reconciled to God that we might have the opportunity to live for God, that we might have the opportunity to tell other people about God and live for His glory and make His name worshipped and praised by people that weren't worshipping and praising His name before. God made all of that available to us because He loved us and He wanted to, not because He had to. Jesus says here to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you are fascinated by the miracle. But brothers and sisters, we don't need to be just fascinated. We need to be forgiven. And if you've never understood that, I don't care how many weeks or years you've been coming to this church or some other church, I want you to understand that if you've just been going because somebody else told you that you need to go, that that's not getting you to heaven. If you've just been going because you're fascinated by Jesus, it's not enough. You might be able to give all the answers to all the Sunday school questions about Jesus, but it's not enough. We need to be forgiven. We need to be made new, and that only comes whenever we respond in faith to Jesus Christ. And that's what we do with this. You say, Brother Zach, what do we do with this? Now that I know, now that I understand that all sinners have to be made new, I do see that. And now that I see that that can only be done through Jesus Christ, and now that I understand that the almighty God of the universe, the one that made everything, the one that existed before anything else existed, that he willingly chose to send his, his son to die for me. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. He chose to do that so that I could be his because he wants me to be his. I pray this morning that he's telling you that. That in his Holy Spirit that he's convicting you to know that he wants you to be his. That he wants you to know the peace and joy that you will only have if you know him. If you are made new by him. That he wants to give your life meaning and he wants to give your life purpose. That those things will only come when you respond to him in faith. That he wants to adopt you into his family. So that you never feel lonely ever again. He wants to offer these things to you. He is offering this to you in Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. If you would come. 
and respond in faith. If you would say, Jesus, I understand who you are. I understand what you've done. And I understand that that is the only way that my need of forgiveness is ever going to be met. So I pledge my life to you. I'm giving everything that I have to you. As Brother Shane said earlier, probably the thing that's most fascinating about this to me is this. The fact that he went to the cross even though he knows everything that I've done. He died for me even though he knows everything. Some of you think this morning, not me, Brother Zach, maybe for some of you, but not me. I'm too bad. I've done too much. You don't know what I've done, and I don't know what you've done, but he does. You know how he knows it? He paid a price for every sin that you've committed. He knows very well every sin that you've committed. He knows every sin that you're going to commit. He is omniscient. Nobody raised their hand. He is omniscient. He knows everything, past, present, future. He knows it all, and he says, I want you anyways. I sent my son for you anyways and this is how i'm showing my love for you that i gave my son to purchase your forgiveness if you're here this morning and you've never understood that or maybe you've you've heard that but it's never really made sense to you but today it does and you want to respond in faith then that's an exciting thing and i pray that you would come in just a moment we'll have a time of invitation i pray that you'd come and share that with me so that I can share that with everyone else because we want to celebrate that with you. We've got to celebrate that a couple of times this month already. And I'm excited about the opportunity to possibly celebrate that in your life as well. If you're here this morning and you have questions about that, you haven't heard it said this way, you, ha you haven't thought about this conversation between Jesus and a man that's fascinated but not forgiven, and you are that man or you are that woman, but you just have a few more questions, that's okay because the Bible has all the answers. I pray that you would come and tell me. Because I have some more questions. That's an okay way to respond to this. Let me set up a time when we can meet and I can try and answer some of those questions. I would love the opportunity to do that. If you're here and you have some way that the Lord's calling you to respond, I pray that you would. But I also want to say that if you're here and you're a Christian, I want you to remember today how you got from where you used to be to where you are today. Because sometimes when we've been made perfect for long enough, we can start to think that it's because we're better than other people. Brothers and sisters, if it was about me, then I wouldn't have ever got from where I am to where from where I was to where I am today. I couldn't forgive my own sins. I couldn't do enough things to try to tip the scale in the way of being good. I can't. You can't. Our salvation, our being made perfect, our righteousness isn't a look at me moment. It's a look at him moment. Look what he's done because he's the only one that's made us this way. And this morning, if for too long you've forgotten to tell God thank you for the blessings he's given in your life, I pray that you would do that. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning, and we are going to have a time of invitation. And you can pray where you are, or you can come and pray at these altars. You can come, and I'll pray with you if you'd like somebody to pray with you. Say, I don't even know the words to pray. Just come and talk to me. I'll pray with you. Somebody standing next to you, I believe, would pray with you this morning. This morning, you want to come and pray at these altars, but you're scared to go grab somebody. I think they'd go with you. This morning, you have something to make public. Come and make it public.
this morning you're excited and you just want to sing, you just sing. But you do what the Lord leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.